welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. Mm, let's get ready to rumble! It's showtime. 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 It's showtime. Showtime! your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Get More Success. Today I am excited because I have with me the lovely Nicola Bainey. Now, uh, did I say that correctly? You did say that correctly. Because there's a few extra bonus A's and I's in there and I always uh, say it incorrectly. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Absolute pleasure to have you here. Now, you have such a fabulous history with some ups and downs and sideways movements, so I had to have you on the show to find out more about it. But before we get started, I'd love to know, and this is the question I ask nearly everybody, how do you define success and what does success mean to you? It's such um, a subjective word to me, Warwick success. It's so personal. It's kind of word that has no true definition, really. Um, It's very time relevant and it has no tool or mechanism by which we can really measure it. So I think for a lot of people, success is often um, associated with attainment, um, achievement of goals, money, material items, um, those sorts of things. But for me, it's really all about learning. And it's learning about our past life experiences, the moments that we're currently experiencing and the things that we hope to experience in the future. Um, I think it's about taking time to reflect and look back because I think in our business lives, we are so striving for this word success that we never really stop to look back and go, well, what was that? Mm. And it's about never giving up. It's about learning and reflecting and keeping going with whatever that you're doing. And for me, it's really about inner peace. Okay. I think that with success, people say, oh, that was a failed business or it was a bankrupt business or it didn't, it didn't, wasn't successful because of that. And to me, I look at it and go, well, what did you learn from it? Mm. Did you learn something? Did, Did it change your life? Did it transform your life somehow? Mm -hmm. Because if it did, even if the business was bankrupt, that doesn't mean you didn't have a success. Yeah. That's a a really great definition Um, because I think it is that – that we learn sometimes more from the things we perceive as failures than mm-hmm. we do from the things that, that we were easy or just, just happened with, without too much effort. Well, isn't failure just delayed success? Mm. Yeah, and, and someone <laughs> I saw recently someone said fail stands for first attempt in learning. There you go. And I, it's a really cool one. Yeah. So let's talk about – now we're talking about businesses and successes and failures and whatever else. So you've been involved in many, many, many businesses. So let's start from the very beginning. What was um, you were talking about? Your you a personal assistant or a, a, a assistant? Your your business solutions. So I had your business solution. That wasn't the first business I've owned. Right. I've owned cafes and other admin kind of businesses and things like that. But I just come off. Um, my midlife crisis, as I call it, Fantastic. and that was owning uh, my cafe. Yep. And I left that because of 
personal reasons to help support my partner in his health at the time. And it was like, well, what do I do with myself now? Mm. And we thought, oh, you know what? I could go and do some bookkeeping. I've got a corporate finance background and I could probably do a couple of clients a week. And that's really all I need to do to keep us going. And next thing you know, I was working 80 hours a week with <laughs> too many clients that I could possibly even manage. Because you're too bloody nice. You'd be <laughs> I don't know how to say no you know or didn't no. know how to say no. I've yeah. learned it now. Um, so, yeah, it just it, it grew beyond my wildest measures. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, I've got a business now. Yeah. So, we developed your business solution, which was a bookkeeping, training and business coaching business. Mm-hmm. And I worked at that for six or seven years. And at the same time, my husband at the time was in an Avis franchise mm-hmm. and we expanded our share in that franchise and so I juggled between doing the business side of it and the finance side of it in that business and your business solution. Right. And then uh, I had a life-changing experience in that I had a stroke. So, tell me me about that. What – because hopefully most people listening never have to go through it. Hopefully. How – how did it happen? Like, is it – did you – were you progressively feeling unwell or did it just out of nowhere or? I look back and I say, no, it, I say it happened out of nowhere. But if I want to be true and honest to myself, I knew I had been pushing way too hard yeah. for way too long. Yeah. And I had these little signs along the way. But when I say little signs, I felt like the universe was telling me to slow down. So I fell over and I hurt my knee. And I was teaching in TAFE at the time, as well as all my other little bits and pieces. And I was like, oh, well, I've got a hurt knee. I still have to do classes. And I kept going. And then I was getting a lot of headaches and I'm like they're only headaches I need to keep going and then there was another event where I hurt my wrist and it was like well it's only a sore wrist I need to keep going in hindsight it was the universe saying to me you're going too hard too fast you need to slow down and I didn't pay attention so it went okay you didn't pay attention now I'm really (laughs) going to make you pay attention I'm going to put the brakes on Uh, and The day that I had my stroke, I was rushing around at a normal kind of pace. Well, normal to me. Yeah, I'm going to say your normal pace is like that 80 hours a week, uh, 100 miles an hour, like here we go. Yeah, 100, 120 hours a week, that kind of stuff. And uh, I had pulled into, luckily enough, I was still working at Avis at the time, Mm. and I would pulled into work and I thought, gee, that sort of really felt strange. And... I hadn't eaten or had anything to drink and it was about 10 o'clock in the morning and I thought, I'm just a bit dehydrated and a bit hungry. And I'd been buzzing around at the shops before that, picking up some supplies and I thought, and I'd bought some cherries Mm. and I thought, I'll just go in and I'll munch on those cherries and I'll be fine. And I went to sort of open the car door and I went, oh, that didn't coordinate very well. Mm. And then I picked up my phone and I thought, I know what I need to do. I need to ring the boys in the office and tell them I'm in the car park and something's not quite right. And I dialed, went to dial the phone and I literally couldn't connect to dial the numbers. Right. And I thought, uh-oh, something's not right. Yeah. And then it passed. As quickly as it hit me, yeah. it passed. Yeah. And I went, oh, I really just need something to eat. And I literally opened up the car door and I did, you know, that sort of Toyota, a little bit like that Toyota dance. I sort of jumped. I jumped up and down. Right. 
and I went, oh, my legs are working, my arms are working. I must have just had a moment. Yeah. And I went in and I grabbed a glass of water and I grabbed some cherries and I put them on my desk and I just went about doing what I was doing and I walked into a whole bunch of IT issues, so I just hit the ground running. Mm. And about an hour later, my glass of water and my cherries were still sitting on my desk untouched. <laughs> and I jumped down on jumped on my desk and put my hand out to move the mouse on the computer and it wouldn't connect. I couldn't move my hand. Right. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. And so I Googled, actually Googled the symptoms of stroke. Right. And I went, okay, that ticks all the boxes. But then they have this thing where it says, well, could also be a migraine. And I thought, well, I sort of had a bit of a migraine, but my arm still wouldn't move. So I said to my business partner, I said, I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. And he thought I was joking because he said, look, if you want the day off, just go. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I said, no, no, I'm serious. I think I need to go to the hospital. And so they put me in a car and drove me down at the hospital. Yeah. And I walked into emergency and I'm still like going, I'm okay, just my hand's gone a bit, yeah. whatever, my arm's gone a bit, whatever. And the triage nurse says, put your hands up. And I go, oh, I can do it with this one, but not with this one. Yeah. And then the rest is history. Everything yeah. just became a blur after that. Right. And so, it was like into hospital and- Straight MRI. in on MRI, yeah. the whole lot. Yeah. And look, even at that point, they were saying, you're too young. You don't smoke. Because how old were you when? I was 37. Right. So, you're too young. You don't smoke. You've got no cholesterol, no yeah, blood. Yeah, you yeah. just don't fit the mold. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. think you're having a really bad migraine. That That's effectively what they were saying. And But we're going to do all the checks and balances and, and we're going to do the MRI straight away. And they came back and they said, well, no, you've had a stroke. And everyone was a little bit shocked and perplexed and all that kind of stuff and really didn't know in a lot of ways what the next step was in some senses. Yeah. Well, so what was the next step for you? Like in terms of your businesses and working your 120 hours a week, that obviously wasn't going to keep going. Well, it was quite funny because they said to me, look, you've had a stroke, et cetera, et cetera. And my first question was, how long am I going to be here? Mm. And they said, well, you're probably going to be here a good four or five days. And I said, that's not possible. I've got management reports due tomorrow. <laughs> and they're sort of looking at me a bit bewildered. And uh, my mum was there at that point and she is like, uh, no, I don't think so. And so I sort of in, in that sense went, okay, well, I have to relent. And I gave mum a list of clients and said, here's my phone, ring these people and tell them I'm not going to be there in the next couple of days. Um, much to everyone's sort of shock. And then I was admitted and admitted into the stroke ward and um, realised that I couldn't I couldn't remember how to use a knife and a fork or what hand I used a spoon with. I couldn't feed myself. I, my movement was very limited. Yeah. And so it was sort of that was my real reality check. Uh, and I had great people like yourselves and some other colleagues around yourself and some other colleagues around me who just got on and and just started contacting all my clients and went this is what's happened and most people were like oh well we'll just wait and we didn't know what that meant <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what that meant um and i discharged myself the day after mm. um so i was only sort of in that hospital about 48 hours and i discharged myself mainly because of 
of a care issue in there and I didn't feel that I thought if this is the care I'm getting I'm better off at home so I'd spoke to my GP and she organized a senior urologist and all that kind of stuff and next thing you know I went home Mm. and 24 hours later I ended it back up in hospital I took the truck with the little flashing lights (laughs) (laughs) Uh, back into hospital and I ended up in the Austin this time round, and uh, I was admitted into the high dependency unit there and the stroke unit, and I didn't go anywhere for about 10 days. Yeah. So, and in that time, I came to some really, really big realizations really, really quick. Right. So, um, I was being told six to eight weeks before I could go back to work. And I'm thinking, oh, that's doable, that's manageable. But I had to learn. I had to learn things again and I had to learn how to feed, how to cut myself, how, like, you know, how to cut my food yeah. and, and, and use my hand and I had to do all of that. And so I learned pretty quickly that that wasn't going to happen. And I also had to do some really quick assessment as to whether this is what did I want my life to look like. Yeah. And so with that, I slowly unraveled and disbanded your business solution And I kept on – I went back to work about eight weeks later, but I went back to work. One of my clients were doctors. So, I figured that was a really safe space to go back to work. And so, I went back to work with them just gently in support and I went back to work at Avis because I was surrounded by people I knew and I knew loved me and cared about me. So, they were both my safe havens. And I slowly, slowly just found my way back into – working and um, I spent the next three years, Mm. two and a half, three years recovering, building up my strength again. I lost my balance, my coordination, just getting all of that sort of back to as best as I possibly can. Which raises an interesting point. So, how how long did it take you to have, quote, full recovery? Uh, It's never been full recovery. So, What sort of percentage would you give it? I... 90%, 90%, okay. which is a really, really good outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who don't know me or didn't know me prior know no different. Yeah. Uh, people who were close to me prior know everything's different. Yeah. So, look, I, I probably spent a good two years. Yeah. I think I think that was where I'm at, at that two-year mark where I went, okay, I think like I'm really starting to get back into the groove here. Yeah. Um, and and developed a different kind of normal Warwick. I yeah. think that's the whole thing. It, w- it wasn't – it was about, okay, this is now normal. Yeah. Okay? You learn to walk differently, get around differently, do things differently to this day. So, it was my four-year anniversary only two or three days ago. And to this day, I still know my left side compensates for my right. Right. So, just little things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think probably at the two-year mark, I went, okay, now I feel like I'm getting some sort of real normality back. Mm. So, yeah. So, okay, so that, that must have been a hell of a shock and a massive readjustment. So, what's happened since then? So, you've, you've no longer work at the doctors, you're no, no longer at Avis. No longer at Avis, still do consulting work for my doctors. So, still do some uh, bits and pieces there. But I slowly in those two years just let go of a few core clients that I'd kept. I think the big thing is you come out of it in fear because you don't know what your life is going to look like Mm -hmm. and 
and you're going, well, I need to hang on to something of what I know because otherwise what am I going to do? Yeah. And so I did keep three or four core clients, uh, but I slowly let them all go, moved on from Avis. Uh, like I said, still do some consulting work for my doctors and maybe one other client just here or there. Mm-hmm. And then got to about sort of heading into that three-year mark and went, okay, well, the fun's over now. Like I <laughs> travelled and I was only doing a bit of work here and there and I'm going, I probably really now need to make a different life for yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, and I thought I'd learned all the lessons that I needed to learn. <laughs> uh, so, I went and opened a butcher shop. Yep. As and you As you do. And now I find myself doing all the things I know I'm not supposed to be doing. Yeah. And uh, working sort of harder than ever. Yep. But when we talk about success, I think sometimes it's about like there are things I know I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm repeating lessons that I shouldn't be repeating. But then it's also looking back and going, well, this is mm, internally for me, I think, to almost be at peace. I need to know that I've got – I'm, I'm okay. If I'm doing this, I'm sort of okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you've set you've set up your butcher shop um, and what's your butcher shop called? Carve It Up. Carve It Up. Spelt with a K. With a K. K for carve. K right. for carve and K for the two knives that make up the… Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Very good. But but it's beyond your normal book sh- butcher shop, yeah? It's not just it like, is. yeah, come and get some meat. No. It's you do pre-prepared meals, gourmet food, some free-range organic food. So, it's it, it has a, a unique aspect to it. Absolutely. It's got… Um, highly specialised in the areas of like paleo lifestyles, which are no grain and and very much preservative free, gluten free, FODMAP friendly, the pre-prepared meals. So we actually have now just engaged a full-time chef because that part of the business has become, is done really, really well. And so now we offer a ready home cooked meal for people to take away and you can also get all your meat. We specialise in grass-fed, free range, uh, those kinds of um, meats. So, yeah, yeah, a little bit of of a butcher feel with a difference. Yeah, fantastic. But uh, you're also the kind of girl that um, getting involved in setting up your own butchery, that's not enough. No. (laughs) You're now, is it, uh, what's what's the the board or the the association that you're part of as well? So I'm also part of the Australian Meat Industry Council. So I sit on the Victoria. Victorian-based council mm-hmm. uh, with a range of other top butchers in Victoria mm-hmm. and we look at how we can support independent local butchers and what we can do to help them in their businesses. And I've also just recently uh, looked at an appointment at the Prime Safe Board, which is the regulatory body for um, the meat industry. Right. So, how do you balance doing – and I'm assuming these boards are – Balance either... is a very, really, really dangerous <laughs> kind of word. <laughs> so, uh, okay, well, I'm going to choose a different word. <laughs> but I'm assuming that these positions are either voluntary positions on those boards or they're, they're a nominal payment. It's not like you're making your millions of dollars working yeah. for them. Yep. So, how do you select where you spend your time, effort and focus? Running your own business as well as looking at the – the bigger industry because, you know, the key competitors to the likes of the independent butchers are the supermarkets that are pre-packed interstate shipped down, that kind yep. of stuff. Um, so, how do, you, how do you select what time and effort you're putting into each one? Uh, it's all about just prioritising what's urgent at the time. Yeah. So, leading into Christmas, we're going into the busiest time of the year. As far as I'm concerned, all bets are off yep. with other things. We've got to focus on the business 
it's Christmas time. We've got to get through Christmas. Yep. Then just after Christmas, once the dust settled, uh, the Australian Meat Industry Council were looking at some strategic planning and some different bits and pieces that they need to do. So I needed to prioritise some focus and effort in, into that kind of stuff. So it really... It's just about prioritising mm. and looking and going, okay, well, right now there's only so much of me to go around. Yeah. Who gets who's gets the most important cherry or the yeah. you know the best bite? Yeah. Um, keeping all of that in mind, I've always had a philosophy. My business comes first. Right. So like you said, yes, there are voluntary um, position um, or the other one is a nominally paid position mm-hmm. but uh, my business comes first yeah. because so if I have to make a choice that's where it's got to be okay so um, previously when your business came first your health seemed to go out the window it certainly has <laughs> so <laughs> in now that you're back into this situation do you prioritize your health probably not the way that I should mm. And that's that's when I say to you, you haven't learnt the lessons. I probably haven't learnt the lessons that I should have. Right. You always, you know, the thing about business is, Warwick, is you always go into it with the best intentions. Mm. You always go in there with this is how it's going to look. And the reality of the situation is it doesn't always work that way. Mm. And this is what I was saying about my, my definition of success. You can go into something and say, well, I've got, it's going to be this and it's going to be fabulous and it's going to look like this and I'm going to have time off and I'm only going to do these things and I'm going to go and meet with my girlfriends two days a week for lunch and all those kinds of things. Um, and it just doesn't pan out that yeah. way. Sometimes a business can go bankrupt and you go, okay, well, does that mean it wasn't successful? Did you not have successful days? Mm. Like you would have had successful days and you would have had successful times. It doesn't necessarily mean you failed. It just means it didn't go to plan. Yeah. And the success that you have out of it is what you do next. Yeah. And so, unfortunately or unfortunately, the business hasn't, in its initial stages, didn't go the way I planned it or the way I envisaged it. And something has to give. Mm. And for me, that's probably a little bit of that balance and that balance I know that I should have. And every now and then my body gives me the reality check and gives me the reminder and goes, hey, do you remember what happened a few years ago? Because um, I'm giving you a reminder and I, and I pull up yep. and I balance it and that. Having said that now, we're at that turning point. So we're sort of part, we're going into our second year now. And you can see it's starting to turn and I can see that that balance will start to shift back. And business is also very seductive, isn't it? Because you think, oh, just this little bit more if I just do – and you know there's stuff that has to be done and there's no one but you to do it. Yeah. And and so it it, it can be that seductive temptress. So you're just like, oh, just do this. I have this saying in um, in the shop that everyone's an expert. So every customer has an opinion Mm. and they're all an expert at what you do. And we always hear across the counter, you should do this or you should do this or you should do that. And so that's going through the counter staff and then they're coming into the back of the shop and they're going, oh, customers just given us this great idea. What we should be doing is we should be doing this. And I said, the thing I love about this place is that we should be doing means me. (laughs) And there's only so much of me to go around. And they are fabulous ideas. But the reality is those customers and and that group of employees aren't putting in the hours that we are. And 
and that's where sometimes you have to go, okay, well, that's a really, really great idea. Can I do it right now? Where does it fit? Or, you know, and sometimes you do, you just park it on the pin board. And then when the time comes around, you get a spare 10 minutes, you go, okay, let's look how we do that. The thing about that is the customer has a really great idea and they would buy one of those things, but you need to be able to, to sell 10 or 15 to make it worthwhile. Like if we're going to do, I don't know, some gourmet special mix sausage to make it worthwhile, you need to make, you know, uh, 10, 10 kilos. kilos of it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I'll buy four sausages. You know, yeah. you should have them because I want my four. And so there, there's that that evaluation process. And, that, and that's so true. That is so real about what you just described is that and that happens all the time with us is that we have customers go where's that sausage we really like it etc etc and we'll go and make that sausage we'll put it into production we've got to put into production 10 kilos and the customer will say ring us when you make it we definitely want some and then we ring them and they go oh great can you put aside six (laughs) <laughs> and you're sort of looking at it and going, well, that doesn't really work. Six kilos? Yeah. Oh, no. no it doesn't. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, and those, and you, people do have fantastic ideas and some of them fly and some of them don't mm. and some of them are successful, if you want to use that term, yep. and some of them aren't. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It just, it's just a really a question of sort of looking through. And sometimes, too, people got to put focus on what happens in the background. So things don't always you can't just implement things overnight they take time there's procedures and processes and and things that need to happen and particularly with your for example your butcher business is you've only got so much production capacity so if it's like let's make the whiz bang i don't know chocolate coated sausages Mm -hmm. um that it's like great well if i make those i have to stop making these and so there is that choice because you have that limited resources and then the next customer comes in and says where are those sausages? I bought the herb and garlic last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are they? And then we say, oh, well, we try and rotate through our 24 flavours of sausages and they walk away disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you sort of got to go to, you know what? I just can't please everyone. Yeah. And one of the things we spoke about earlier was I never knew how to say no. And one of the things I, lessons I did learn and I've sort of really become much better at is saying, I'm really, really sorry. I understand you might be disappointed, but that's not possible. Yep. Yep. So how how do you how do you say no to stuff now? Like in the past, obviously you, you struggled with it. So what's changed for you or what's enabled you to say no in a way that you know that you want the customer to be happy? And if it's not the customer, then it's the client, then a business partner, staff, employee, whatever. What's shifted for you that that's allowed you to say no better? I always felt guilty in saying no. I had to remove that feeling of guilt. Sometimes I still feel guilty. One thing I've always started with is acknowledging their position. Mm -hmm. So I understand where you might be coming from. I understand the impact that this is going to have on you. But from my side of the equation, this is how it affects us. And if if you just say no, and we actually have a rule at the counter where I say no one says no. Uh, I f- it's it's a negative word mm. and I don't like the reaction that it invokes in people. Mm. But you can say it in so many other ways. You can say, let me check for you. You can say, I don't have that, but I have this. Let us offer you an alternative. Uh, for logical reasons, we don't produce that product. This is why. Mm-hmm. If you... Ex- Take some time to explain to people why it's not possible. Most people, 
are reasonable with that. Yeah. It. Whereas if you don't offer an explanation, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, People don't understand why. So you're giving them a solution, but it might not be the one that they were expecting or the one that they were after. Exactly. Okay. So, and I suppose that goes to um, um, my next question. Having run a lot of these businesses, some of them being very successful financially, some successful financially, but still closed for other reasons. Yeah. What do you wish you'd known earlier? What are, you, what are some of the things that you reckon would fast track other people's journeys to success? Fail fast and allow it to happen okay. because I think you really, you really, really learn from those clients sometimes that you turn yourself inside out for and then you don't get the results that you thought you were going to get anyway. And again, I don't like that sort of word failure, but what I mean by that is just say, okay, I have to come to the understanding that I've given that person the best possible solution that I can provide, if that doesn't suit their needs, then I need to be okay with that mm -hmm. rather than keep looking and searching and pushing it. And because that person just, you don't know the space that they're at really. Yeah. You often don't know their agenda. Most people will tell you what they want you to know, mm -hmm. but you really don't know what's going on deep down. Yep, yep. You don't know what their influences are and you're trying to turn yourself inside out to provide them the answer and you could actually be doing yourself more detriment than good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's good to let them sit with it and go, okay, and then let them make the decision. If they come back to you, they're going to be a much better client uh, than if you had like turned yourself inside out to make things happen. The other thing you do when you do that, I think, is you set up an expectation. Yeah. Because once you do it once – then, well, you did it last time. Why can't you do it again? So, so in essence, you're sort of you're training the client in a terms of like, you know, this is how we operate and, we, you know, we don't do absolutely everything. Um, we'll do what we can. That's exactly right. And I think the other thing is too is when you go into a new client, so many times we have this, oh, they're a new client. I need to do them the special deal or I need to do that thing to get them on board. And, that, and that's a – a philosophy of okay well we'll do this to you know um to to get you working with us and build the relationship and and sure that's a good philosophy but it sets them up to say well you're already prepared to come from the back foot rather than say this is our service this is our standard this is what you're going to get it's great value mm -hmm. you choose yeah and and it is hard because especially when you go into business Everyone comes from a point of desperation most times. You've got to pay the bills. You've got to pay the wages. You've got to do that. And so you will almost sell your soul right. to get whatever you can. And it becomes a really fine line between saying, well, that's a client I want and that's a client yeah. I, I don't want because you can sort of say, oh, well, there should be no customer you don't want. But I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, and it's and I've heard it said not every dollar is equal. Yes. And there are certain clients where you're just like, you know, it's too hard. And and either your values are not aligned or your method of operating is not aligned or the, the whatever it is, um, but it's just like, you know, you're the kind of customer I'm going to send to my competition because you're just not right for me. Right. And the other thing is you, you start off the client relationship from a point of compromise. Yeah. And if you're always compromising, someone's going to feel cheated along the line. Yeah. Uh, somewhere along the line, it's going to catch up. And there's got to be that fair exchange of value. That's right. 
and mutual respect. Yeah. Yeah. And things like that. Hey, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It thank sounds you. like it's been a hell of a journey. So but but now just to you know to make sure all our listeners are all happy and satisfied, your health's okay now? My health is good now. Excellent. So onwards and onwards moving and upwards. forwards. And like you said, it's a journey and the journey continues. Yeah. Um, and that's where your success from success always comes from, just allowing the journey to continue. Yeah, yeah. Great. Hey, so if people want to get Thank in touch you. with you, they want to find out more about Carve It Up Butchers or just find out more about your story, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Carve It Up. With a K. With a K. Dot com dot au is the website or we've got a Facebook page, Carve It Up With a K. And you can look us up there and you'll find the shop details and any other details you need to, to get in touch. Fantastic. Nicola, thank you so much Thank for joining you. us today. Thank you, Warwick. You've been listening to another episode of Get More Success. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you back on the show next week. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and we hope you can get more success.